Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, one of the heads. And I'm Dane, the head that grabs the sun. It's from Mad Max. Mad Max reference. Uh, Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games, where we discuss our favorite hobby, share thoughts with you all, and uh, even play some games sometimes. Not this time, though. Not playing games today. No. What are we doing today? Well, Cosmo, we're going to talk about novel gameplay mechanics, which is what it sounds. So interesting uh, mechanics that aren't general game mechanics. They are novel, Mm -hmm. very specific, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Weird situations. and We're going to get into that. Um, Basically, well... First, I guess, why would someone do something like that? We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about uh, guidelines for how to implement a novel gameplay mechanic. And we'll we'll get into what we mean more specifically by a novel gameplay mechanic as well. Um, so, why do something like that? Guidelines for how to do novel gameplay mechanics. Uh, and then examples of some cool novel gameplay mechanics and how you might fit them into your session or campaign or whatever and how you might run them when you do indeed Indubitably. all right so why would you consider doing something like this well novel game play mechanics are cool they they add variety uh they keep it interesting and fresh and they really push role playing uh and explore things that you couldn't really do in any other medium or art form, we think. Yeah. Right? We have um, we have cool and adds variety under the same bullet point, which I feel like is maybe a mistake. Because it's two separate things. It is a cool idea to do more than just, like, hit stuff with your sword or, you know, find, mm-hmm. a, find a secret switch in a dungeon. You want to give your players more than that. That is cool. But also, like, it can be pretty critical sometimes for player engagement to... Uh, for you as a game master to deliver something, uh, to deliver some variety mm. to to the experience. You don't always want to be, like, getting in a shootout every right. session. And even though there are, you know, there's plenty of things to do. Sometimes it's just fun to pick a weird thing and get into that. Right. Explore something uh, that wasn't written in the rules so, like, your players don't really expect it. Mm-hmm. And now they have to go scuba diving or something. You didn't, right? You know, you didn't tell them that was part of it. Now it is. Um, and then you know the other thing, the last thing Dane said, pushing your role playing experience and exploring things you can't do in any other medium. A lot of times in pen and paper role playing games, we we talk about video games a lot because they're similar, um, and video games deliver a lot of the same things and. You know, sometimes they try and do the exact same thing as a pen and paper experience, let you create a character, explore a world, stuff like that. Um, video games also let you, you know, do things like go to space or, you know, drive or vehicles that go you to, can... Uh, go scuba diving. Yeah, go scuba diving, um, I guess. Anyway. But, like, for example, I was playing Cyberpunk the other day. Uh, try to keep spoilies out of it. There's a bit where you go scuba diving... And as somebody who has my scuba, um, it was very lame, I would say. Like, it was still a cool part of the game and whatever, but just, like, it wasn't like scuba diving. I tried to do a somersault. 
game didn't allow that, right? Because it wasn't built in to the cyberpunk rule set. So the game didn't allow it. Yeah. However, in a pen and paper, you can do that. All it takes is a little creativity on the game master's side to be like, okay, uh, this is how I think it's going to work. And, you know, here are the rules. Yeah. And, you know, another thing, you might, like, find a cool video game where you get to, uh, I don't know, fly around in space, mm -hmm. like do a zero-G thing. Um you might find a game where it's all about that, but you're probably not going to find very many video games where, um, you know, you can do a bunch of other stuff and then, like, go to space right. in a mm -hmm. in a one-off thing for just two sessions and then come back to a planet. Right, like a video game that's all about the zero-G spacewalk. Yeah. That's pretty much, like, the focus of the game. Or that's at least, probably most you know, of what you're going to get. In our experience, so... But a pen and paper experience, you can... Right. You could be ch chopping up skeletons with swords. Yeah. Then next time you're doing a spacewalk. Mm -hmm. So, variety, um, interesting situation. And that's what we are talking about when we say novel gameplay. And we'll get into some more concrete examples in a second here. But first, we're going to talk about guidelines for guidelines. the Game Master uh, to implement stuff like this where we think um where we think you should start with these ideas and um well yeah so like to make you know, how, gameplay uh, how are you going to make them into gameplay mechanics right you gotta have some guidelines right so you know first step we think is in the natural process is to determine what is different or unique about this novel situation Right. So, for example, a zero G spacewalk. Mm -hmm. Well, what's different is there's no gravity. Yeah. Right. Uh, you push off. You're going to continue to float in that direction until you get a opposite force. Right. Yeah. So that's what we mean by uh, some guidelines. You know, think about that. So determine uh, what attributes and skills affect interacting with those mechanics like uh pushing off um, in zero G like uh, you know, maybe there's some perception involved with like making it so you don't have a spin. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, coming up with those things, what are the things that are weird? A lack of gravity. That would be one. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. And then how your players are going to interact because, you know, your players will interact using the skills and attributes that they have. Right. The tools that you have to interact with a, with a pen and paper world are the things on your character sheet. So which things on the character sheet are going to, are going to correspond to which weird things about this new place that they're at? Um, that's, that's something you kind of have to come up with before you're going to run anything like this. You don't have, <clears throat> excuse me. You don't have to come up with every single possibility because your players are going to do something weird. But if you have a couple ideas of, like, how it's going to work, uh, you can apply those ideas to the weird shit your characters come up with mm -hmm. for your players. So, determine what is different, unique about the novel situation. Then determine what attributes or skills are going to affect those things. How are they going to interact with whatever is weird and different? And then uh, combine the roles that they make with descriptions of the situation to immerse them in it. That's that's pretty key. And 
I, it, it bears mentioning, you might think like, well, I'm going to do that anyway. If I was running a game, uh, yeah, I'm going to describe the environment that the players are in. I'm going to describe, um, you know, what's going on. But like, let's use that scuba situation again. You want to keep reminding characters that they're in a situation like that because they're limited in certain ways. They can't talk to each other. They might be like, oh, well, I, you know, tell him, well, hang on, you can't. You guys don't have writers. You're going to have to hand signal it. Yeah. And then, well, okay, that's weird. I can't use my words to communicate information to another character. Uh, My character tries to communicate, you know, with hand gestures. All right, well, let's see how well you roll for that. Keep reminding them of (coughs) stuff like that. I choked on my spit. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry about that, folks. Uh, keep reminding them of stuff like that. They're like, well, you're underwater, so you can't talk. Uh, you have to solve communication problems in a different way. That is going to reinforce the idea that they're in a novel situation and keep bringing it back to the new roles that they need to make in order to mm. do stuff in this novel game environment that you've suddenly put your players in. Yeah, and also spice it up a little bit, right? So, like, back to the, the zero-G spacewalk thing. Uh, you know, player pushes off the, the spaceship. Okay, that's easy enough to describe, and then they roll for it. But, like, you can spice it up with, like, you push off, and you're, all you can hear is the beating of your own heart in mm-hmm. your ears. Right? Because it's space. It's silent. Right. You can't hear anything except inside your suit. So, what we're saying is, like, why, why we bothered to mention, like, keep reminding them, keep describing the the novel situation as they do their actions and do their roles, is because if you were if you were doing anything else, you would just describe in the beginning kind of what the dungeon looks like. Mm-hmm. And then the players would build that picture in their mind, and you wouldn't need to keep reminding them of what the dungeon looks like or sounds like. They would just hold that state in their own imagination. And then you tell them when something new happens... But then they just add it to what they're already imagining. You don't need to keep reminding them. But if you take them out of something familiar and put them somewhere weird, it's worth it to keep uh, to keep mentioning, and not like over and over again, don't start every sentence <laughs> reminding them that you're underwater or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every time they do anything, think about like how does being underwater affect them doing like, like, it. What can you add to... Uh, improve immersion. Yeah. Because, um, you know, that's going to be the thing that makes or breaks this. You could run something like this. I think everyone probably had some sort of video game experience with an underwater section where it kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, famous Zelda dungeons, and I really didn't care for the uh, uh, for the swimming portions of Doom Eternal. I don't feel like those needed to be there. I was having a good time with the rest of the platforming stuff, but now suddenly I'm underwater, and I didn't really do anything. That was just another obnoxious, like, mm. puzzle to get through. You run the risk of delivering something like that to your players if, you know, if it's just harder roles. Yeah. Right? Don't... And a uh, perfect segue into our uh, next uh, bullet point here, uh, setting the difficulty, Right. Just because it's novel doesn't mean just, oh, it's only just harder. It's just harder. Yeah, just all your roles are harder. That's no good. You want, um, you know, 
you want the difficulty rolls to reflect the situation, just as you would in any other situation. Um, you just want to, you know, use the difficulty to remind them of where they are. Mm-hmm. It's probably not any harder to, like, draw your gun in space than it is on land. Right, like, they shouldn't have to roll every time they draw their gun. They know how to draw their gun. Right. But then doing other stuff with it, maybe they shoot it, and now it's, like, pushing them around inside a space station Mm -hmm. because it's zero-G. Well, that's something different. Now they're going to have to, you know, react to that or respond to that. And, and like, when possible, I think it's easiest uh, for novel gameplay mechanics uh, when you're talking about difficulty to be player versus uh, player, or character versus character, I mean. Mm -hmm. And in this, we are talking about, we're mostly talking about the Eclipse engine here, but, you know, it applies to other stuff as well. The easiest way to get a difficulty value using our system is to just have a character's value versus another character's value. So if that's the situation, it's real easy. Mm-hmm. If you're wrestling underwater, if there's like an alligator and you're, you know, you're trying to not get grappled by it, you would just roll dexterity against dexterity or strength maybe the same way you would if they were you know in a in a fight on land right and that you know that's going to give you just like the real easy character versus character difficulty value right and so like for the uh, alligator wrestling uh, if the alligator's like guarding the treasure that they're underwater to find in the first place maybe you hit them with some with some debuffs like oh you're underwater you're a human alligator is better at being underwater than you Mm -hmm. so grappling an alligator on land would be easier so you you know minus three to your roll or whatever yeah right but if it's just like a random you know ambush attack an alligator gets you maybe you don't throw a bunch of negatives in there because it's not that important uh for the story for them to have a difficult fight with this alligator it's just something you know to right just a little thing to you know a uh, little, little like pebble to throw in their path, mm-hmm. which is fun because then they have to deal with it. But it's not going to stop the story. So that's the other thing: when you can't do character versus character, and you don't have you know an easy like buff or debuff to apply to it to make it apply to the situation better, uh, use that idea of how much impact is it going to have on the story. If it is a huge you know impactful thing, if this is the boss fight and this is the end of it. Uh, you know, it should be tricky to just blow through that encounter with a single roll. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want that anyway. So, you know, why let that happen in a novel gameplay situation? Let, uh, let the impact on the story help you decide what the difficulty should be. If you're, you know, underwater and maybe you're having trouble, like, you know, keeping oriented in the right direction because you're scuba diving and your character's never done it before. Well, give them some checks to stay oriented. But, you know, they they should risk, you know, catastrophic failure Mm. with every turn. Right, like an easy, like, perception check to get back on course underwater. Oh, I critical failed it. Oh, there's a hole in your air tank and now you're drowning. Uh, that's, um, that's pretty lame, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, so they just get a little off course if they crit fail. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, okay, it's, you're, you're slightly further away. You know where you need to go now? You're mm-hmm. slightly further away. That sort of thing. Um, 
So, yeah, character versus character, if you can. Because then it's just done for you. The difficulty is set. If not, consider, you know, the impact on the story. You want them to be able to... You want them to be able to uh, do whatever you're asking them to do in this novel situation. So, you know, don't make it impossible. Don't make it wildly difficult. But use those roles to remind them of where they are. Like, you know, the example of, like, trying to talk underwater. Mm-hmm. That is a great way to remind them where they are and how they can't do everything the same way there as they did before right and like i i understand that this is kind of conceptual what we're talking about so it's kind of hard to really visual or could be maybe you're following along perfectly and you're like Mm -hmm. yeah i know exactly what you're talking about well you know great um thanks for listening uh (laughs) we appreciate you but for those of you who are kind of still like i don't really get it yeah uh let's do some examples and we'll get into we'll get into some nitty-gritty we'll describe some novel gameplay situations um and we'll talk about you know where you might put those in your in your game, and then we'll talk about exactly how we would apply different roles and uh, you know different challenges to those situations to make the novel situation into novel gameplay as well. Uh, so what is the first one we're going to talk about? Vehicles. Uh, well, maybe I don't know. We were talking about underwater and zero g more. Yeah. But anyways, vehicles, right? So that's I think that's a good place to start because. Everyone mm-hmm. has been in a vehicle. That's true. Could be a blanket statement. But, I mean, uh, not you know. not universally true, but a pretty safe frame of reference. Pretty safe guess. All right. So, so imagine like in your session, you need to travel somewhere, right? You gotta you know cross country it uh, in your jeep or what have you. Mm-hmm. So. That's, like, it's not the craziest, and I think this is a good place to start. It's not that novel. Number one, because it's familiar to most people. It's not a weird idea to be like, oh, how would I drive? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's a real easy thing to imagine yourself doing, or imagine yourself, like, in the car while someone else is driving. But, um, you would still want it to play a little bit differently than if, you know, your characters were on the ground or standing static, especially if there was like a fight or something. And we'll, we'll talk about that idea. Right. And vehicles can also extend to riding mounts, you know, horses. Yeah. Riding a horse or whatever you ride in whatever world you're playing. But, uh, so a couple just like basic things. What, what are the novel things about that? Well, you're not walking, you're not, uh, you're inside something and it is moving, but you're also controlling it. That's the right. novel so controlling gameplay. Controlling mechanic. this moving yeah. uh, thing, right? Uh, well, how do you control it, right? Uh, you know, uh, in our opinion, when we think about this and when we put it in our games, it's usually with uh, perception or dexterity, mm-hmm. right? To to see the oh, there's a rock in the road, and I'm going to drive around it. So I'm going to turn the steering wheel and drive around it. Yeah. It's a yeah, a combination of seeing the things around you and you know like the feel for the vehicle that you're operating and then also physical physically operating the controls of the vehicle, which is not usually done with strength, but it could be in some situations. You know, maybe that's what this one is is you're 
you know, it's yeah. got no power steering. Yeah, it's got no power steering. You have to, like, really haul on the wheel to, to make a difficult turn. Well, okay, strength roll. But generally, to, like, operate the pedals and the, and the steering wheel, we put that under dexterity rolls. Mm-hmm. Right? So then, like, here's where it gets really novel is, like, vehicle combat. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're in a car chase. Right. You have... So you've set up the idea... You guys are, your party is driving somewhere, and whoever is driving, they have to do, you know, perception checks to navigate and dexterity rolls to to keep the car under control. Okay. Now you're in a fight, like Mad Max, and you have to do that, but in combat against other vehicles. Now, some of the things that we would do, well, we'd extend... Uh, We'd extend, like, the deck stuff to being able to, like, move around inside your vehicle or uh, on top of it if you're, like, standing on the right, roof. Well, so let's just... All right. Everyone uh, follow along here. Uh, it's Fury Road. Yeah. We're doing... Everyone seen Mad like, Max. A big... You know, there's a big oil tanker, and it's driving along, and there's a bunch of other little cars attacking it. Right? So, like, you can get on top of the oil tanker mm-hmm. and shoot your gun. And maybe you're doing that. Great. And that probably wouldn't change very much. No, You'd still be aiming your gun mm-hmm. and, and shooting at the bad guys. The same way you would do that if you were playing the game and you were just, like, static on the ground. Right. But who's driving the car? Yeah. Is it a player? Well, if it's a player, they should be doing, like, little checks for driving the car. How steady are you keeping it? Are you swerving all over the road? Are you hitting all the big bumps? Yeah. And then uh, going back to the idea of um, reminding with your narration, reminding characters that they're in a novel gameplay situation. So, one character's on top of the car shooting at bad guys, the other character's driving. Bad guy car throws an obstacle down in front of your car. So, your driver has to swerve to avoid it. Maybe they succeed. No big deal. Right, right? I avoid the spike strip. Yeah, you rolled great. Uh, But, you just had to do kind of a wild maneuver, and the guy on top didn't necessarily know that's what was going to happen. Now they should have to make a roll to not, you know, get knocked over. Right. Or they should do a balance off. roll or maybe a strength roll to hold on. So the one character's action of driving the vehicle rippled to affect the other characters in the scene and reminds them that they are in a weird scene. They're in a novel scene. They're fighting on the roof of a moving car. Mm-hmm. Which is different from what you probably usually do. Or maybe that is your whole adventure, in which case that's cool. But Right, you know, here's, a, here's another fun one. Switching up. So I guess, um, put it on the board. Yeah. Uh, in very important novel gameplay mechanics is switch up how they attempt actions. So jumping, mm. right? Oh, if you're just like jumping across a gap, maybe that's strength. Maybe mm. it's dexterity, right? Whatever the, you know, it fits in the best. Right. right. But on a car, if you're trying to jump from car to car, maybe it's minds. Yeah. Right. Judging, you know, how how uh, the, the general look or the relative the, yeah, the relation, the physical relation between the moving cars. Mm-hmm. And you're like, OK, yeah, physically, I could jump six feet. Mm-hmm. Your character can do that already. That's not really the thing that's in question. The, the important thing in this scenario is they're both moving vehicles. Yeah. So now we're asking you to do something different. Like what normally would be just a, you know, an easy dex hop from one side to the other. Hop across a creek, whatever. Uh, What would normally be that is now a 
probably harder, but also different attribute mm. being used. Use your mind to judge the distance and the speed, make the jump. Physically making the jump, it's not really in question. Right, and like maybe if you're trying to cross a stream, that's just you know what you do. But it's novel here. Yeah, you know, so we're trying to make it you know novel, weird, interesting, spicy. We're trying to spice, spice. it up, add variety. The spice. Um, yeah, and then you know, so that's an example of how you might change something like that. But then you would also use the same, uh, the same roles and the same attributes for a lot of other things. Maybe you your driver swerves, and you're the one on top of the car, and you fail that dexterity roll. So now you kind of fall off. Oh no, and so you're like hanging on the side. Well, it, you probably shouldn't mess with that. It'd just be a strength roll to keep hanging on, mm -hmm. or a strength roll to pull yourself back up. Right? Maybe instead they just take a little bit of damage. But yeah. They get back on top of the car. You just yeah, you let them get back up. But they had to spend a toughness to do it. Right. Somehow. Um, but yeah. So that hopefully, hopefully that clears up the idea. If there was any confusion about what we meant by a novel gameplay mechanic or a novel gameplay situation that's what we mean decide what's weird about it figure out what attributes your characters will use to interact with the parts that are weird and then use your narration to continually uh reinforce the idea that they're in a weird space if the driver swerves that's going to affect everybody else in the car mm -hmm. are they going to fall off well they have to roll to see if they do um and I really like the idea as well. Uh, you already can jump. You can jump six feet. We're not worried about that. But can you, like... Jump from moving car yeah. to moving car. Can you gauge the moving cars with your mind well enough to make that jump? Yeah. That's a, you know... Those are those are some examples of how we would handle that situation. Okay. Talk about a couple more, Let's uh, Let's go through, like, the zero-G uh, underwater thing. But uh, let's start from... The beginning of like where so some guidelines. Mm -hmm. um, I start from the guidelines, right? So what's different about zero G or underwater? Mm -hmm. uh, well, gravity's different. Yeah, you don't have the same up and down, and you know if you do, it's kind of arbitrary, and you're gonna need to like hold that in your character. Your character's gonna need to remember what that is if they set a clear up or down right. for themselves. Um, also, your perception is gonna be off. Uh, you know, if you're in a spacesuit or a scuba suit, can't uh, your senses are going to be kind of cut off. So, like, maybe your spacesuit has LADAR on it, mm -hmm. right? That helps make up for your lack of, uh, you know, vision because your visor's, uh, you know, tunnel vision you or something like that, right? Right. So, your, you know, gravity, perception's off. Um, That's a cool one. So, like, if you were in a murky underwater thing and you were, mm -hmm. you know, like, swimming to explore a sunken tomb... But it's all muddy. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can't see super well, but you have you know, like a scanner device instead. Right. And like so, you can't hear very well either. Right. You know, it's underwater. So instead of instead of using your perception to just like see stuff, you might be asked, you as a game master might ask your players, hey, consult your scanner. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is still just a perception role, but maybe with a, uh, a penalty to it. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's mind this time to, uh, you know, to manipulate the electronic device because that's the thing you're using to navigate with mm -hmm. now. 
You can't see very well. You have to rely on this device. How well can you read the device, and how well can you operate it? That's a different question from how well you can see, which is what you would use in any other situation mm -hmm. to just find your way through something. Right, you know, so an example of combining the role uh, with description of novel situation is, uh, you know, a player is like, I look around. Okay, well, uh, it's very muddy and murky, and like all you see is just swirling mud, and uh, you don't see anything, but you have a scanner, so mm -hmm. check your scanner. That's what the role is going to be for. Yeah. Right, so that sets up that, hey, you are in a weird situation. You can't see very well. Uh, and then, you know, the difficulty we talked about, uh, in this, in that example, there's no character versus character stats, uh, but, you know, is it, how important is it for them to be really good at, like, knowing where they are and what's ahead of them? Yeah. If it's super important, like, they're navigating a maze, maybe. Yeah, then maybe the role is fairly difficult. Right? And, you know, they have to use all their context clues to, uh, you know, get through that. But if it's just like, oh, you know, you're in a big area and you're looking for, like, the door... Out. You just need to get kind of in the right area. Yeah. You know, maybe there's not even a role for it. Fairly simple role or maybe no role. And if you fail, then, you know, you just kind of like you Blow wander off for a way. second. And then later you're like, oh, I see it. It's over there. Mm -hmm. I went the wrong way. But now I know where it is. Um, yeah. Then, you know, some other stuff. Some stuff would stay the same. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you were on a spaceship. And you had to, you know, kind of float around, pull yourself by handholds and stuff in a zero-G environment. You'd probably use strength still to hold on. Mm -hmm. um, you'd, you know, use dexterity to just to, like, crawl along the walls. But you might use mind if you were like, oh, I'm going to launch myself across the, like, big open room. And, and hit that handhold yeah, right there. That thing. Maybe that's not so much dexterity in that situation because that's not what your, you know, that's not what your athletics are normally used for. So you're in a weird situation. Mm -hmm. You have to think about it real hard. You're using mind now to sort of like plot your course. Right. Uh, to launch yourself across the room and grab the right handhold and not, you know, not be off course or hit the wall too hard. Stuff like that. Some things would be the same. Holding on strength. Some things might be different. If you've right. never navigated that way before, you probably have to stop and think about it. Uh, another example of the switch stats is like uh, somebody throws something at you in zero G, mm -hmm. right? And they put some spin on it to catch it. Like uh, if someone just throws a baseball in, in on the ground, it's like oh dexterity to catch the ball, right? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it's perception now because. It's spinning in a weird way. And yeah. It's got a weird path. You gotta take an extra second to be like, oh, it's spinning real fast, but it's not moving that fast, and maybe that confuses you. You have to, you have to pass a perception roll to, to catch it. Yeah, to to like see how it's gonna fly and actually like you know get your hand on it. Um. Yeah. And then you know continually as those things are happening to your players as a game master you want to continually remind them oh well you're on a spaceship or you're underwater mm -hmm. that's why this is happening you're you know your character's like okay oh, i move from uh i move from this room into the next room and you're like well you have to float there so give me a mind roll to like throw yourself safely right okay you wouldn't have to make any sort of roll to just 
walk Ooh, from right. one room to another in another situation. But now you got to because it's mm-hmm. weird. And we're reinforcing the idea that you're in a weird space. Total immersion, baby. Total baby. immersion. <laughs> Fire it up. All right, uh, uh, another one that uh, we thought of that's very novel and interesting is like a mindscape or like a dream state. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe magically the characters uh, go into someone's go into someone's dream to like save mm-hmm. them from a demon or you know any 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 reason to go in and we're not necessarily talking about well we're definitely not talking about like being shrunk down to go yeah fight a virus because that'd be more like the underwater scuba right thing we're not talking about incredible voyage here fantastic fantastic voyage, voyage. oh my god it's different I've um, never seen Fantastic Voyage, but I have seen all the shows that do that. Do that. Yeah, like the, Archer the and Futurama. So. We're talking about like uh, when Finn and Jake go into Marceline's dream. Yeah. And stuff behaves weirdly there because it's not the real world. It's not any physical space at all. It is someone else's mindscape. Right. Or another great example uh, is in Venture Bros., when Killinger fights the investors. Yeah, that was fucking cool. And if, if you haven't seen that one, like, they are having basically a lightsaber fight. But then when people walk into the room and see them... They're just standing they're there all with just, their, like, yes, hands to their head. To their temples, like, doing their psychic uh, blasts at each other. But in their, like, shared mindscape, they're having a sword fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know... So stuff like that. If you're in that situation, like uh, there's, there could be a complete lack of physical attributes, mm-hmm. like because you're not actually there. It's just all in your mind. Right. So you could, you're like you're in someone else's dream, and you could completely replace the idea of strength um, with the attribute of mind, mm-hmm. because it's just like you know what how is your, your mind? Yeah. Is. How 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 strong is your mind power? Because that's kind of how you do everything in the in the mindscape. But you don't want it to be all one thing. You don't want everything to be down to one stat. Because that's not very interesting. So, you know, how would perception, charisma work? If you're going to completely get rid of the physical side, mm-hmm. fine. But then you still have three stats to work with. So maybe strength. The idea of strength is completely replaced by mind. Maybe speed and dexterity is completely replaced by perception when you're in the dreamscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and they're like, oh, I found the demon, uh, I chase him. And they're like, okay. Normally, if you found a, something in a dungeon and it ran away. And you wanted to run after it, yeah. uh, how fast are you? You'd run with your speed and you would use your decks to, to not trip and to, you know, um, avoid obstacles. But in a dreamscape, it might just be completely perception. It's all about just, you know perceiving pathways through the mind and that's it it's not necessarily even like actually moving you're just like you know what i perceive that i'm actually right behind him yeah and that's another way where you know it gets weird the physicality is not part of it you're just you know using your mind to change the the circumstances around you which in that situation would be someone else's dream or whatever um and then you know 
that'd be a weird one. I don't have a ton of like off the cuff examples for how to keep reminding you. It's not like being underwater. We're like, well, you can't talk. Right. Do a hand signal. I, mean, um, I think the easiest one is just like weird. You see like weird stuff appears and then disappears. Yeah. Stuff appears, disappears. Maybe um, things that your characters like say or think or do, mm-hmm. they um, they manifest somehow. Right. Some like, sort of like physical. Well, it wouldn't be physical, but it would appear physical to the right. characters. Whoopsie. In the dream, I dropped my pen. That's what happened there. Uh, it would appear physical to the characters in the dream, but it's really just like, oh, you you manifested some like negative thought. And now, you know, there's a dark cloud or something. Or uh, you need to get to the top of these stairs. You try to climb the stairs. You fail your perception to move. So you start running up the stairs. All of a sudden, you're running down the stairs. And you're like, what? That's weird. No, no, I was running up the stairs. And then you turn around and try again. You messed it up a little bit. You're in a dream, remember? Stuff is weird. And, yeah. So, stuff like that. Reminding the characters that they're in a weird situation... Uh, doing that with the narrative and then having them do some sort of relevant role to, you know, keep reminding them that they're in that kind of novel space. Right. And like these, these uh, novel scenarios are best utilized like in single sessions and maybe not even it's the whole session. Maybe it's just, you know, the, the bulk of the session. Mm-hmm. You guys, the characters start in, normal reality whatever their reality is like you start in the castle and the wizard puts you in the dream right or you start on the the shore of the lake and then you go into the lake to do your scuba um and then yeah probably don't spend the whole adventure down there and it would be great if you could get out of there before you ended the session Mm -hmm. um and that maybe I would say that's a whole separate conversation worth having about, like, when to start and stop sessions and, you know, when to move time along, stuff like that. Uh, But I will just go out on a limb here and say, if you're in the middle of, like, a dreamscape and the characters are basically having to, like, tread water mentally with the weirdness of it, you probably don't want to end your session there. You because right, it's gonna be so hard to come back yeah, and, and like, like try to recreate that. Get yeah, get reoriented to that weird idea, and you know, put yourself in the headspace of a character who doesn't physically exist, but has like some control over a dream. That you know, that's just like it's such an impermanent idea, and even the less weird thing of like uh, a Fury Road Mad Max car chase sequence. Probably don't start. And stop your sessions in the middle of something like that. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, you kind of load into them and you run with them until they're over. Right. You know, because that, that's kind of what we were talking about uh, with adding description. So, like, it's all about building, mm-hmm. building the atmosphere, building, building the, the immersion. immersion. And so you do so much work as a game master to build that. Mm-hmm. You're gonna to have to start from scratch again if you like stop mid mid session. Yeah, right. That yeah. So I would say, and you know, we we're not really getting into that that larger idea of right. this when to start and when stop to start and or, stop you know, and how to like how to pace your and... sessions. But I would say, good idea for pacing. 
Don't do something weird like a zero G sequence or a dream battle and then run out of time halfway through it. Probably finish it before you, you know, before you end the session. Uh, cause getting back into it partway through, that'll be a headache. Right. And like, even like, oh, you, you budgeted as a game master, you budgeted a certain amount of time and it's just, it's taking longer than you thought and you gotta get out somehow. Uh, I think there's always a way to easily get like, you know, oh, in the mindscape, the dream state, uh, one, uh, you just, the wizard wakes you up. Yeah. You didn't finish. Yeah, but and like so maybe you'll go back later, but you won't start in the middle mm -hmm. of it. You'll be like, well, okay. You'll be like, you could come up with something in the intervening time between sessions. The wizard would be like, well, it almost worked, but it wasn't working, so I pulled you out. Right. Here's this crystal. Take it in with right. you. Or maybe you got to go get the crystal. That'll fix it. Like next yeah. session is getting the crystal so you can retry the mindscape. Yeah, and have a session break before you have two weird dream sessions. Mm hmm. Um, so that's our two cents on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, that was another sort of like game master running role-playing games, tips and tricks sort of conversation. I know it was a little more, uh, weird and rambly than some of our better organized ideas, well, it's but a, it's kind of a hard concept to, to it, tackle. I it think. is. And, but I do think if you can pull off stuff like this your games will just, your games will only benefit from it. Um, you will, you know, you will interest and excite your players. You will. Right, because it's cool. Yeah, it just is cool. It's spicy. You will go more places. You will show them the sort of, like, infinite potential of oh, a game that runs on imagination. Oh, tabletop RPGs. Possibilities are endless, my friends. Yeah. In a really cool way you know you could do you could do a whole thing about like scuba diving and underwater like tomb raiding and stuff and if you can you know if you can pull off stuff like that you're really gonna you're really gonna impress and like uh captivate your players they will they will want to keep playing if you can pull off stuff like this and bring them into new and weird situations right but don't uh, don't forget to give guidelines uh to these new novel situations uh you know think about how it's going how you as a game master are going to use the stats in whatever system you're playing we talked uh, mainly about the eclipse engine today uh like always find it for free at 2hgm.com mm -hmm. right but uh you know think about what attributes or skills uh, are going to come into play with the novel game mechanics uh, definitely add, keep describing, make, build that atmosphere, uh, sink them in. You could also, um, you can also, I just thought of this, want to sneak it in at the end doing here. doing the recap, man. I, I know, but I just, I just thought of something. If folks like, you know, this was a weird episode. We discussed some weird <laughs> ideas. Maybe it's a little too high concept, but maybe you feel like you want to just dip your toe. Okay. For, you know... I, like, I love a good toe dip. Okay. So, the, like, the zero-G space station idea, or uh, the scuba thing. Maybe you scuba to, um, to like, an underwater uh, lab, like that episode of Archer. Sure. Sea lab. Perfect example, because it happened in Archer. You can't use your gun in there. Mm, yeah. Because it's 
super pressurized. If you damage the if you damage the walls or the windows or anything, you risk you know a total implosion of the facility. You are going to drown and die and freeze. Um, suddenly, your character's just like a a whole thing that they maybe always relied on isn't available to them anymore. And maybe they'll risk it. They'll be like, "Ooh, I take aim. I, you know, I really hope nothing bad happens." And if they shoot the bad guy, great. But if they miss, then you know, like huge consequences. That's not quite the same as you know putting characters in a Mad Max convoy or putting them in space sure, but I for an episode. Seeing, it's it's all about uh, it, well, it's a toe dip. Uh, making changing up the game to where mm-hmm. the players have to think outside the box right just now suddenly for a good story reason you can't just say oh it doesn't work anymore Mm -hmm. now for a good story reason they can't just shoot the bad guy right or like if they were a magic user maybe they got silenced by a wizard Mm -hmm. a better more powerful wizard silenced no more spells for you now they can't talk they can't yeah until the spell wears off that's you know Dipping your toe or, you know, introducing like a little baby novel gameplay mechanic that, you know, lasts for a session, makes it a little weird for your players, forces them to, uh, you know, think of new ways to do stuff. And in thinking of new ways to do stuff, because some options are locked off to them, they will be reminded of the weird situation that they're in. That will reinforce the idea of immersion that you're going for with the whole thing. Uh, Alright. That, that was basically it. It was, it was a good it was a good uh good bit to add in there. It was definitely I think worthwhile to explore that. So I think that's about it. We'll do a quick recap, starting from the top again. So why would you ever do a novel gameplay mechanic? Uh because it's cool. Mm-hmm. It adds variety, it increases player engagement, uh impresses your friends. Um and, ex- and it really pushes uh, tabletop RPGs because they can be pushed. Yeah. You use this unlimited. to do stuff that you can't do with other things. You can't do all of this with a video game, especially not all of it at once. Right. Exactly. But you can in a pen and paper game. Right. Uh, to do it, you're going to need some to set some guidelines. You're going to need to think about what attributes and skills uh, in the game system, uh, you know, the Eclipse engine, mm-hmm. uh, are affected uh, by these novel gameplay mechanics. How do your characters interact with them? And when they do interact, describe it. Make yeah. them, immerse them, take their head and immerse them into whatever you're doing. <laughs> uh, right, so setting difficulties. Uh, when possible, try to uh, character versus character because that's just the easiest thing to find. Uh, when that's not possible, think about the impact on story. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if it's a really big thing for the story to move forward... Uh, maybe it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's trickier. It takes some sacrifice. If it's not a big deal, let them overcome it fairly easily, but use it as a moment to remind them of the weird situation they're in. Right. Uh, and then we talked through some examples. Uh, we did like a Mad Max uh, on top of the car combats, mm-hmm. driving. Uh, I talked about like you're in space, uh, underwater, and then like dreamscapes. Mm-hmm. The weirdest of all of them. But also, you know, maybe the one with the most potential to do cool stuff in. Um, but yeah, so that's our recap. That's what we went over today. I do believe that's it for today. That is That concludes this episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Find us at 2hgm.com. 
our email, our Twitter, our Patreon, all linked there. If you want to support us, uh, like what we do, want to support us, we would love it. Yep, we definitely would love it. <laughs> Join us next time for another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Um, and thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of their theme song, uh, Pond Hill's Finest, as the intro and outro for our podcast. And that'll do it. See you next time.